it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, and when I'm not co-hosting this podcast along with my partners, I serve as Partnership Acceleration Lead at the newly rebranded Flywheel, leading managed services company that helps brands grow their e-commerce business. It's Women's Month here at the CPG Guys, where all month we feature inspiring women founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders in our industry. Uh, along for our conversation today is my fellow co-founder of the CPG Guys, you really should be following his daughters. His elder daughter, Rhea Raj, is a music uh, artist in her own right. She's at RhiaRaj.com, link in the digital line notes to this episode. And, of course, follow his younger daughter, Lara, who's currently in the finals of the K-pop band competition, Dream Academy. Uh, another link to vote for is also in the digital liner notes. He joins me today from the flood and earthquake epicenter of the world, better known as Los Angeles or La La Land. Please welcome my best friend, my ride or die, uh, the Wizard of Woodland Hills, a true blue Yankees fan. I think I've got all of my descriptions of him. He's the man known as Shri. Hey, Shri, how are you? You've certainly got all the descriptions out there. Yanks didn't make it. Dodgers didn't make it. Arguably, I've got a handful more games in the mix. But at the end of the day, it's the Rangers who made it and the Diamondbacks with Sox. I'm waiting for pitchers and catchers. I think you are waiting for the same thing in March. And with that, we'll enjoy Women's Month. How about that? I'm going to root for the Rangers, and we'll call that a day. All right. Uh, so before we get to our guest, I want to remind our audience, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you use Apple or Spotify, please give us a rating, right? It helps feed the algorithm, makes our podcast more findable. And while you're there and giving us a rating, our favorite number is five, five. Please leave us a review too, because we want to make sure that the content we talk about and cover is relevant to what you want to hear about. Uh, we also want to express how honored we are. We're the number one rated CPG podcast for two years running, according to Feedspot, the leading podcast ranking authority. And joining us in the list among the top 30 are our sister cast, CPG Scoop, CPG Guys Fast Forward with Brian Gildenberg, and the FMCG Guys. And of course, we're very, very honored to be formal sponsors of Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women whose mission it is to advance all women in business and promote the cause of gender equality. Links to our podcast, our sister cast, our landing page on Next Up. Yep, Shree, we have a landing page. We must be real. We're not just faking this. Uh, you can find them in the digital liner notes of the podcast because we know like 90 plus percent of you listen on your mobile device. And you can just click and read and learn while you're listening to our harmonious voices in this melodic conversation. So let's get to our guest for this episode. I met her about a decade ago when I was at CVS Health. She was leading shopper marketing at Constellation Brands, where she spent nearly two decades in progressive sales and customer roles. Previously, she built her foundational experience in CPG at a uh, little-known CPG startup. What are they called? Shri, I think it's PepsiCo. You heard of them? I think you've heard of them. Um, five years ago, she left Constellation to help accelerate what was then a fledgling adult beverage brand focused primarily on single-serve ready-to-drink cocktails known as Buzz Balls, where she now serves as the Executive Vice President Sales and Marketing at the company called Southern Champion. Uh, I recently caught up with her at this year's Grocery Shop Conference in Las Vegas, made sure to also meet the next generation in the family, Rachel, who's at uh, Haines Celestial. 
And we had uh, made sure to extend her long overdue invitation to join this podcast as a guest. She's here to share with us her experience in managing and marketing adult beverages at a growing a uh, female founder and operated Texas based CPG brand. Please join me in welcoming to the podcast my dear friend, Tracy Frisbee. Hey, Tracy, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing very well and very excited to be here with you guys. I've been a fan of the show and like to listen to the podcast while I'm uh, cleaning house on Saturday mornings. <laughs> you know, whether you're going out for a run, cleaning your house, doing whatever, we're here to entertain and help pass the time. If we do that and we do a little education in the process, then I think we've done our job. Wouldn't you agree, Shree? Hey, man, we're relevant 24-7 of the day, so I'm just thankful. <laughs> That's all we care about. That's all we care about. Listen, it was great to reconnect with you at Grocery Shop and to meet Rachel. And before we get to the questions Shree and I have prepared, would you mind providing us with an overview of uh, Southern Champion Buzzballs and what your role there involves? Sure. So um, Southern Champion, or better known as Buzzballs, is an adult beverage manufacturer. So we do produce ready-to-drink cocktails. Uh, Best-known brand would be Buzzballs, but we have other brands, Uptown Cocktails, Texas Craft, Sip Sip Hooray. And we are vertically integrated. So we're not just a marketing and branding company. We make our own containers. We have a full blow mold facility, which is pretty amazing to see. We print the buzz balls ourselves. We make 5,000 gallons of either margaritas or pina coladas or whatever crazy concoction that we're making at the time and have full bottling line facilities. Um, so everything is done here. I love the fact that I can walk out my door and look out a window and see about six or seven production lines running. It's pretty fantastic. So there's not too many companies in this industry that are vertically integrated and also operating everything at a, a you know, one giant facility. We're up to about 500,000 square feet of space these days. Thank you for that, Tracy. That's a great description. Uh, we're going to include in the digital liner notes of this episode links to your LinkedIn profile, Southern Champions LinkedIn page, and of course, your uh, brand website for listeners to access while we go on the conversation. And I should also mention one thing, Sri, that I would really impress me. You may remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was scrambling to try and find uh, sterilization mechanisms. And one of the things that really impressed me about Buzzballs is they decided to make alcohol for hospitals to help with all the cleaning process. So uh, it was really noble of them to support one of the local area hospitals with that capability. So that was a really, really good cause that they jumped in to help. So I'll kick off the questions today, Tracy. After a very successful career working for a very large-scale brand, uh, brands actually PepsiCo and Constellation Brands, five years ago, you made the jump to Southern Champion Buzzballs. I'd love to hear kind of like, what was your motivation behind that? And really, what skills do you think you learned at those two big brands that really served you well in moving to Southern Champion? Sure. So um, I met Mary Lee Kick, I think, through LinkedIn in 2018. And I'd seen her products, Buzzballs, I think in Walmart, you know, probably the year before. And to be honest, I was like, what is this brand and why does it have my end cap space? I'm not very happy about this. Right. So that's when it hit my radar and I met her and struck up a little bit of a friendship. And within a couple of months, she was convincing me that I needed to join her. And at that time, 
Buzzballs was kind of going from a, a small manufacturer to a midsize. And she needed to bring in experience, right? So she brought in Blair Casey from Southern Glaciers, who had a, a strong Gallo background to really develop sales and expand nationally. And then she found me and said, I need someone to develop a marketing team. So I joined her and it was really kind of a core group of us that just took everything I think we had learned from our corporate America, right? Best practices and applied it to a small, then becoming midsize organization to help it grow. I mean, you know, when I got here, we were not in all 50 states. We weren't international. We're in 27 countries now. So the growth has been fast and furious. And I, I think what we're all looking at is when you take uh, disciplined practices that you've learned from bigger corporations and you don't appreciate so much why those organizations are disciplined and have those practices and you apply it to a new company, you can see that acceleration. So I got here in 2018 and we have grown 50% year over year over year since I've been here. So I think it was about a 400,000 case brand when I got here. We'll finish the year well over 6 million cases this year. So uh, fast and furious growth. We're building the plane while it's in flight, <laughs> which is, again, when some of these best practices and processes that you've learned along the way, you've got to implement fast and you got to get people on board fast. So it's been a, a, a great time and it's a good thing I like to work a lot, <laughs> work and sleep, because that's pretty much what my life has been for about five and a half years. Wow. 50% compounded annual growth rate for five years. Shree, that's not bad, right? That would make any CPG brand pretty happy, don't you think? Do you know any other gentlemen who also just work and sleep? I think I've met them, Peter. Yeah, I, I think I know a couple. They work, they watch the kids, and then they podcast. That's all they do. And then somewhere in there, they sleep for a few hours. Tracy, first of all, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the phenomenal growth. I mean, 50% growth rate over two years is normal. 50% growth year over year for that extended period is called crazy. Thank you. And um, that leads me to ask you, growth is as good as how you're doing competitively in the categories that you are making products in, which in this case is mixed cocktails. So I'm tempted to ask you, what separates Buzzballs from all the competitors in the marketplace? Yeah, I think initially we really were kind of one of the first RTDs out there. The, the Mary Lee founded this company in 2010. So we're not new, we've been around. I think there was limited competition, you know, a decade plus ago. And when I joined the company in 2018 and started looking at IRI and Nielsen data, and I was like, you know what, there's going to be some big companies that start to look at this as white space. They need growth. And they're going to say, why should this little brand Buzzballs have all of this to themselves? So very quickly, there were a lot of um, companies jumping in. We knew that would happen. But I think really what has set us apart is number one, we have an amazing package, right? We stand out. Buzzballs are just beautiful packaging. Um, I've taken them to trade shows and innovation shows across the world, and people just go nuts for them. You know, so number one, just amazing packaging. Uh, number two, it's a great tasting cocktail. Um, we have something for everybody. We have about 15 active flavors at any time. Number three, we are truly single serve, right? You don't have to buy a multi pack, you don't have to 
buy a package that has two cans of whatever in it that you don't like, right? So you like the other two or four, three flavors, but you get stuck with two you don't like, and you hope your friend likes it so you can pawn it off on them. It's that mix and match. We also are high ABV, so we are a niche, right? And that works well. So our core consumer wants a high ABV. They want a real bar crafted style cocktail at home. And it's, it's just pure convenience. I think about it at the end of the day, you know, if I want a, a good, strong cocktail and I don't want to get coconut cream and all the stuff to make a, a pina colada, right? If I can just pop one open, <laughs> you know, that's great. I, I get that me time, the relaxation that I want without getting the blender out and making a mess and buying a bunch of weird ingredients I won't use on a regular basis. So a lot of that is, I think, why our brand has been so successful. Um, our consumers tell us they love the bold flavors. I like the variety I'm not going to knock a seltzer. I think they taste great, but seltzers are light in flavor. Like, is this a cherry or is this a blueberry? I, I know the flavors are kind of hard to distinguish where with these real cocktails, I mean, you know, you're drinking a margarita, you know, if you're drinking a pina colada, you know, if you're drinking a chocolate martini. Um, so these are a lot of reasons that our consumers and our fans have told us why they love the brand. I think Mary Lee was brilliant when she developed the brand out of like true insights of like, as a consumer, what she wanted. So it wasn't like this big boardroom or a big extensive consumer research on what do we need to develop. She developed something that she personally wanted and that her friend group personally wanted. And I think when you build brands on true insights, they're going to be successful. Hmm. Often consumers, when they find a need themselves in their life, some of the best innovations in the world have come from when people feel in their own life something is missing, the key word that you used for me over here was bar-crafted cocktails. A year and a half ago, Peter and I would have fought over who goes to the local liquor shop or wine shop to get them. We're both teetotalers now, but at some point, we're going to have to look forward to a non-alcoholic version of the same thing. What do you say, Peter? There we go. There we go. Hey, Tracy. Um, one of the things we do here on the podcast, we tend to be educationally focused. And whenever we hear a new acronym that we haven't used before, we want to break it down. So you used ABV for our audience. Can you break down the ABV acronym? Sure. That's basically, it's we have alcohol content, right? So if you go to a bar and you get a margarita, and all bars make their drinks a little bit different, but uh, they're usually pretty strong, right? You have one good margarita and, and you know it. You know, in the beer and seltzer world, you know, maybe you have to have several drinks and then you're like, okay, now I'm feeling the effects. And I have to be very careful about how we talk about the effects of alcohol, right? But we do know people consume for relaxation or party or whatever mood they're trying to set. So buzz balls are 15% alcohol by volume. And yeah, so it is strong. Like I said, a beer is about four and a half percent. So when Mary Lee was developing the brand, she was like, you know what? I really don't want to drink four or five beers. I'm going to feel bloated. I'm going to have to run to the bathroom a lot. I mean, all these things, right? And then, then these are true insights. And this might be something people won't say in a focus group, right? But in our head, we're, we're thinking this. So um, I, I do think that's a lot of the success of our brand is, again, it was just based on really personal insights that we can all relate to. That is really helpful. 
So I'd like your perception on this. Um, you know, Shree and I have talked about the impact of the pandemic on the industry in general, on e-commerce. We obviously saw an enormous growth in uh, marketplaces like Drizzly and Instacart. And it first had a tremendous effect uh, for Instacart on grocery, but a, a lot of states were not really poised for alcohol distributions or delivery. So I'd, I'd love for you to share with us, what were some of the really big things related to alcohol that you saw the pandemic have transformational impact against? I mean, number one, there was a huge switch in volume from people consuming at a restaurant or a bar to retail. So we saw retail sales spike because all that volume left what we call the on-premise, you know, bars, restaurants, anywhere where you're consuming, where you purchase. Um, so if you looked at sales scan data, it looked like all these brands' sales were through the roof. People did start consuming more too, Peter. I mean, we, we, we do know that, <laughs> you know, uh, people were working from home. So they might've started their personal happy hour a little bit early. Zoom cocktail parties were the thing that I certainly engaged in quite vigorously. So I think at first it was a bit of a novelty to people that, hey, it's 3.30 and I might have a buzz ball while I'm still working. <laughs> Um, so, I, I mean, a lot of that did accelerate the growth of alcohol. Post-COVID, we are seeing that the alcohol category is very flat and some categories declining. Um, the ready-to-drink cocktail segment is still increasing, and it is projected to continue to grow through at least 2030 at this point. So um, I'm grateful to be with an organization that has brands that know we're in a growth segment, where some of my counterparts that may just be selling wine, you know, are, are struggling a bit. And then, of course, just with delivery services. So we saw most states um, allow alcohol to go from restaurants and bars as a way to keep those restaurant and bars afloat during COVID. And most of those laws have stuck around. So once they started that, they, they haven't repealed those laws. And then, you know, we saw more and more states just allow the delivery as well. It accelerated that. So I think just like COVID accelerated a lot of just CPG and grocery ordering in general, alcohol took that ride just like other categories in grocery. And does that force you to change a lot of your marketing tactics when you have to deal with this transformation? Like what were the things that you had to start thinking about leaning in on as a result of that? Yeah. And I will say, I mean, 2020 for us was really the first year that we had like a decent marketing budget. And when I looked at our consumers for Buzzballs, I was like, these people are glued to their mobile device five, seven hours a day. We're going to be mobile first, right? This is where our consumer demographic is. So I will say we kind of got lucky in the fact that we had put all our eggs in the digital marketing basket and we had a full plan ready to go, had signed all the insertion orders and plans. So when the pandemic hit, we were already pedal on the gas on full marketing. Things that we had to add as a result would be some of the delivery services like, you know, Drizzly, Instacart, but I mean, DoorDash just added alcohol. So there, I mean, there's still some third-party delivery services that are just now getting into the alcohol game. And as they do, we make sure we're there. So um, even if the ROI on some of these is a little light, we just know long-term it's the right thing to do. And so we're going to continue to invest and we know it'll catch up at some point. So um, 
I don't think to the day I've really seen any advertising on the Alcbev side yet when I'm uh, doing mobile browsing. So I'm curious, Tracy, to learn what the target audience is for Buzzball's products. And then I'm sure you're tailoring both your distribution. You mentioned right now that Drizzly, Instacart, DoorDash, either they are or will be platforms where the products will be distributed in um, addition to home delivery that certain, um, let's say, liquor shops or wine shops choose to make. But I'm curious to learn how you tailor your marketing towards that, how the distribution works out. And then in that window, what do you feel is the most effective? Because the world PETA and I work in primarily CPG, food and bev, we're used to things like search, content being very important online, things of that nature. Is it different for you? No, I, we make all the same investments. So first to start with your question about who our target consumer is, um, the core consumer for Buzzballs tends to be a little more female than male between the ages of 25 and 35. So about 48% of our consumers fall under the age of 35. But then we have that 52% that, you know, are in older age demographics, which kind of seems odd when you, you know, think about RTDs, but we have a really diverse consumer base, which I love. So of course, we're always trying to bring in, you know, new legal drinking age consumers, but we really strong with, I would say, Gen X, you know, which is why I fall into, and even some boomers. We have a loyalty club we call the Buzz Club and uh, about 25,000 members of that. And it runs the gamut. We definitely have some grandmas that are huge fans that, you know, earn points to get their Buzzball t-shirts and fanny packs and stuff. But when it comes to our digital campaigns, really kind of going for that sweet spot. So probably, you know, that that millennial and like I said, lens a little more female. So, but if, if you were to just go into Google and put in some ready to drink cocktail terms, Buzzballs is going to pop up. I mean, that paid search is a big part of our campaign. You know, I won't give away our full marketing mix and our formula to our success, but you know, I'm going to say we follow, you know, the model of most CPGs. Let me remind our audience that Shree and I today are speaking with Tracy Frisbee. She's the EVP of Sales and Marketing at Buzzballs Southern Champion. All right, so let's go a little deeper on this. Uh, would love to hear from you some of the more interesting or memorable marketing campaigns you think really drove the acceleration of Buzzballs business and what resonated, do you think, with consumers, at least from what your research shared with you? Yeah, I, I would say in spring of 2020, when we went full force with digital marketing, and it was a lot of just bright, fun ads and very simple, like, buy now, click here on the ad, and it drove us to our product locator, right? Because we wanted people to be able to buy whatever retailer was close to them that had an alcohol license. And then what we saw is that bled over into user-generated content, and it started on TikTok. As an alcohol brand, it's not legal for us to market and advertise on TikTok because it's not age-gated. We are members of Discus, which is a self-governing group of people and brands in the industry that make sure we are responsible in advertising. But what we saw then was people were creating their own videos. So I think one of the first ones I saw was a woman, probably in her early 30s, that said, I got the ad. She made a whole video of herself using the product locator driving to the store, walking in, videoing our display, <laughs> making the purchase, going home, trying them, and giving a review. 
And this just snowballed. I think when we just looked at our TikTok analytics for quarter three of this year, there was over 33 million pieces of content out there that had been viewed. Yeah. So I, I really think just that digital first. And again, it was during the pandemic, it just created this snowball of user generated content. So there was the whole buzzball challenge where people were buying them and doing their own reviews which are always very entertaining um, if you're very bored on a weekend and you want to watch those. And it's been fun to see, especially how social media has no uh, boundaries, right? We get requests from all over the world in every language you can imagine. Of like, we want buzz balls here. So, you know, I think the latest one was Peru. And I was like, we're trying to get there. <laughs> wow. I have to imagine with the product locator, as you're trying to grow out your business and help people find the flavor they want, that's critically important to make sure that you have it tailored, not just to this store carries buzz balls, but to some degree, the story carries these flavors of buzz balls. So they know that because, yeah, I mean, you've got a very large assortment. You mentioned what, 31 different flavors at any given time. You've got to make sure that the consumer knows where to find the one they want. And that probably helps. Yeah, which is important because especially when we launch new flavors and they kind of they'll trickle out, they'll kind of go to a, a region or, uh, you know, for a test market first, like one of our newer ones is pineapple jalapeno. Right. And so then people start talking about it online and then it creates quite a frenzy. Um, but yeah, so we in our product locator, we do use the most advanced versions to make sure that the data is feeding what's in stock, right? So it is doing the web crawler. And then for those, um, let's say, you know, corner liquor stores that the web crawler is not going to work for, um, we are using VIP data or this is what the store has purchased in the last 30 days and what they should have in stock. So we are having to use a couple of different information or data feeds to keep that product locator up to date and correct. And so are y'all in... Um... Most of the states in the United States, are you primarily Texas? Because you mentioned you're in 27 countries. Is it true for most of the United States? We're in all 50 states, yes. So we do have national distribution. I have a lot of visitors this weekend coming from international locations. So guess what they'll be drinking, Peter? It won't be H2O. Uh, let's go back to social media and <laughs> digital marketing. You mentioned UGC, TikTok. Before I get to my actual question which is the role of social media and digital marketing and promoting in the promotion of the brand. What kind of governance do you guys have for that TikTok, social media, et cetera? And do you see that the clicks, likes, et cetera, they actually translate to tangible buys? Well, so as far as governance, yes. Yeah. So um, of course, Meta has the ability to age gate so that um, we know that we're not targeting anyone under legal drinking age. And then also just scrubbing and on occasion trying, you know, remove people who shouldn't be following the account. TikTok, I will say, is all user generated content. We have no control over that. But grateful for the fans and the ambassadors out there who just organically are promoting our brand for us. But I mean, social media, obviously, for even our, our main target audience, is that's where they discover most brands these days. And again, user-generated content and personal recommendations through user-generated content are so important, I think, to all brands and especially ours. I mean, BuzzBalls is, I think it's a polarizing brand, right? I mean, we're high alcohol content, we're high on flavor, 
And if you buy it and you're expecting to get a light flavored seltzer, you're in for a big surprise. So I like that our consumers are educating each other on what our brand is about. Um, Our most recent study on repeat purchase rate is 61%, which I think is amazing. And especially again, what what I would call a polarizing brand, you know, Um, we're we're not for the weak of heart. We're going to give you a lot of flavor and, you know, you're going to taste some alcohol in there. Tracy, are you equally focused on search engine optimization versus search engine marketing? And like, how do the Tidehouse laws governing alcohol restrict your ability to do search engine marketing in particular? I would say, yeah, I mean, equally on that, um, I can't drive a consumer, though, to a particular retailer. So, you know, I will say I don't think there's a lot of clarity on if you are listing retailers in an ad. Some have said three, some have said five. Some states will say you have to list everybody. So I think for all of us in alcohol marketing, there's a little bit of risk when you decide, you know, what rules am I going to play by? So I I think smaller and insurgent brands are bigger risk takers. You know, I worked for a very large alcohol company before and they had a low risk tolerance and I don't blame them, right? I mean, they're a huge target where if you're a small insurgent brand, you kind of fly under the radar, I think, with different groups. But I will just say, I mean, obviously, I'm very protective of my brands and my company, and I'm always going to do what's right and what's legally compliant. But we we really just thought that it's best to let the consumer decide where they want to make the purchase. Our product locator sees several million clicks a year at this point. If someone wants to buy online, there's that option. If they want to run down to the corner convenience store, be it a national chain or an independent, they're all listed equally. So, you know, people are going to choose what's convenient for them or, you know, they want Drizzly or Instacart to make the delivery. All that's available to them. So we've kind of just gone with let's be fair and equitable to all of our retail partners and let the consumer decide what they want. That's great. Thank you for that. So since it is Women's Month and we certainly don't want to uh, take that for granted or treat it lightly, let's talk about your experience in particular around building your career in the alcohol beverage business. Do you have any advice for people, particularly women interested in pursuing a career in this space around sales and marketing? What kind of advice would you give them? I'd say go for it. I mean, I love the industry. I've been in this industry since the year 2000. And I will say when I entered the industry, I was one of the few women. I think I have some old sales meeting photos where there's 100 men and then just me standing there in the middle. (laughs) There she is. Um, but uh, I, through the years, I've seen more and more women enter the industry and I see them making a difference in the industry. I think as women have historically been the main shoppers for households, we bring a different perspective in how we're going to market and sell these brands. And as you know, my background is shopper marketing and I'm such a geek on that. Fortunately, in the alcohol industry, the consumer and the shopper overlay is very strong. You know, it's not pet food or baby food, right? So people are typically making their own alcohol purchases. Look, I'm passionate about it. It's a great industry. It's pretty recession proof. Um, As our CEO will tell you, that's one of the reasons she, you know, when she was trying to dream up of if I'm going to make a product, what is it going to be? And, you know, alcohol is fairly recession proof. It might be a little bit of a stagnant category now, but we know it'll rebound. In 20 years, I've seen it do all sorts of things. But I would say it is highly regulated. 
So it's not for the faint of heart. You're going to have to become an expert very quick on 50 different sets of laws here in the U.S. And then even beyond that, as we think of all the data privacy laws are forever changing and growing, um, you know, and now us being international, I will have to say I have some sleepless nights. I'm like, oh, gosh, Austria says we can't use Google Analytics anymore for people. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, is that turned off on the website? So beyond just uh, legal compliance for alcohol or anything highly regulated, I think data privacy laws kind of keep me up at night, too, now. So, Tracy, guess what's coming home via Drizzly? Tonight, it's the Buzz Balls Cocktails Lada Colada. And oh, thank you. What? I have guests, as I mentioned, it's not the 200 ml can, it's the 1.75 liter bottle because we got to make it count. And then I also looked for the mango chili cocktail, and unfortunately, it's out of stock, only available in Texas. That's why I asked you the question on distribution, but I found a whole bunch here in the local store. So, um, it's great to hear you encourage others, especially women, also be part of the growth here in this category and you also gave the couple of watch outs here in terms of how the shopper tends to be the consumer which is different from many other categories in cpg and dealing with regulations speaking of those very regulations the example that you just gave of austria uh, i know you made that one up but as an example austria just changed how google analytics can be used so you have to constantly stay abreast of trends in the industry as well as laws regulations where do you get all this learning from? And then are there specific trends or focus areas like at-home consumption is certainly up now that you're looking to explore as catalysts for growth for you? Yeah. Um, so staying on top of trends, I am an avid reader of every trade publication. We have a really good partner when it comes to our, our privacy software that give us amazing updates and watch out. So it is just a lot of getting to the office early or staying up late at night and reading to try to stay on top of everything. And especially in digital marketing, I feel like there's new capabilities and vendors that are coming in all the time. So uh, the grocery shop conference or shop talk is a great place to get educated by vendors. So I do rely on a lot of our partners to bring that expertise to us. As far as you talked about catalysts for growth, I mean, things we're looking at is I think you talked about the 1.75 liter. That's our buzzball biggie. That is a, a, a growing product line for us. People are going crazy for it. And we're excited that we have new production lines going in and we can expand that product to other markets. So, you know, it's no secret. I think if anyone in the industry, if you guys know that demand's been greater than supply for Buzzballs the past several years. So um, we do have new production lines that'll be up and running very soon that we're all very excited about. That'll continue to fuel the growth. Um, we do have some new pack sizes coming. We always have new flavor innovation coming this holiday. If you're out in some national retailers, please look for Cookie Nookie. <laughs> so Cookie Nookie, yeah, inspired by European spice biscuits. It is delicious. So it'll be a great holiday after dinner cocktail for you guys to try. Um, but yeah, we have fun. We have a great R&D team. And Mary Lee is one of the most innovative people I've ever worked with. And she's fantastic and just coming up with great ideas. And she's fearless. Um, she's a risk taker. And this has been fun, I would say. I mean, coming from big corporate America that was low on risk and a little slow to move. Like I said, we run really fast here. 
Shree, before it's too late, see if you can append the order you just placed with Cookie Nookie. That sounds like a definite. And by the way, the 1.75 liter, I've been to a Raj backyard barbecue party. That's like the starter set, I'm just going to say. They have good parties at the Raj household out in L.A. Thank you for that. I want to remind our audience that you should visit cbgguys.com where you can find all of our content. The episodes are organized by topic, retail media, uh, insights, analytics, shopper marketing, whatever it is. Find the topic that's right for you. Curate the episodes and start listening away. And of course, if you think you or your company has some thought leadership to contribute to this ongoing community conversation, drop us an email at contact at cbgguys.com. Maybe you can join us for a future episode of the podcast. Of course, while you're there, make sure to drop us a rating and review from the link on the navigation bar at the top of the site. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you for the 26,000 plus LinkedIn followers that trust us to both entertain and educate them on this wonderful industry that Shri and I are so passionate about. Tracy, thank you. Long overdue. I know I've been talking to you about this, it seems like forever, but hey, the more episodes we add out, the bigger the audience is, so more people can hear about the great work that you guys are doing down at Southern Champion and Buzzballs. Thank you for joining us today. No, thank you. It's great to get to see you guys and look forward to hearing more episodes. Keep up the great work. It's fun. Thank you. Hey, Shrey, what do you think? What do you got for us? So the moment the brand name came up, Buzzballs, I knew this was going to be fun. And that's ex- exactly how the episode went, right? We started up top, like, who is Buzzballs? I think it's important to reestablish that adult bev manufacturer that makes ready-to-drink cocktails. And then the fun part right up front, which gives them the ability to control their distribution is they're fully integrated. So you manufacture, you market, and then you distribute. And you even mentioned looking out the window and being able to see production lines, which is so awesome. Tracy herself came in with big background PepsiCo, like two other people on this podcast I may know of. Obviously, that big background means there's a plethora and diversity of experiences as well as learnings across the board in failing, failing fast, and then plenty of successes. And she was able to take those learnings at scale from PepsiCo. And of course, on the beverage side and bring them into the company. And that means the company is now seeing 50% growth year over year, right up top. We declared that is phenomenal because you hear that one year, two year over the pandemic makes sense. We're far removed from the pandemic at this point and you're sustaining that. You're in 27 countries. Congratulations, 50 states. But it's important to identify why and what sets you all apart. Number one, extreme pride in package quality, which means when a consumer actually sees the product, touches it, feels it, looks at it, they want to consume it. 15 active flavors is what you mentioned, but rich flavor profiles is how I interpret that. Good mix of multi-packs and then the word bar crafted. Make somebody feel when they pay the $3.99, $4.99 as the price points might be that they're actually having a cocktail made by a bartender with 15% approximate ABV. We talked a little about adaptation during the pandemic. You are very much part of home delivery, such as Instacart, Drizzly, DoorDash, and any other home delivery mechanisms that exist. DoorDash, of course, is on the horizon. It was important for uh, manufacturers to understand that home delivery is now a way of life, omni-channel is a way of life, and that's what you've done. In terms of consumer acquisition, it's good to hear you say, Tracy, that you are looking at bringing new consumers into the product as well as sometimes into the category, but you do have a diverse plethora 
of spectrum of demographic across the board. You even gave the example of a grandma who gave you all feedback. And um, millennial female, because of the consumption habits, seems to be a little bit more of the focus. We talked about how do you purchase the product. It's good to see having a product locator is non-negotiable, and you certainly have that, but that also helps with the buy now. Ads coming back to the product locator and farming it out to the many liquor, wine stores, et cetera, where BuzzBalls is available. We talked quite a bit about UGC that Peter and I actually believe in. is very much still a part of content. And I would say one of the largest parts of content, you know, that's what creators do. There are so many platforms. We discussed TikToks quite a bit at length, how risks are taken on TikTok and how smaller brands are able to do it. We talked about what your advice would be to other women coming into this category or these sort of businesses, intersection of Alcbev, as well as in addition to the intersection of Alcbev, I would say a male-dominated industry. And it was... um very energizing to you. Encourage others to follow in your footsteps, but appreciate the diversity of learning you had, especially the path to purchase example you gave where the consumer and the buyer may be the same and to adapt for that, which doesn't happen in most of the CPG categories. And then dealing with what, 50 plus regulations that change in a whim worldwide. You're in 27 countries, so routinely, often, all the time. And then one of the most important Fun parts of this conversation is we get to ask, how do you stay abreast of changes? Because today's consumer may not look like tomorrow's consumer, but it was good to hear you actually use the word, I read trade publications, because very few in the CPG industry in 2023 actually read trade publications. I am one of them that does. Religiously leads FMI trade publications pretty much every single email that I get from them to stay abreast of the industry. But more importantly, Peter and me were overjoyed to hear you say grocery shop and shop talk because those are two of the largest forums that are dominating the industry today. And we encourage all men and women to go attend, learn, share with each other. A good product is only as good as the innovation that it keeps putting out in the marketplace. You talked about a great R&D team, including your R&D leader, willing to take risks and learn. And finally, I'll close it up by saying, wait for Christmas. Wait, wait, wait. Cookie nookie. I like it. Good one, Shree. I want to add something from the trade publication. I think that was perfect. Um, there's a really great one that I love that's come out in the last couple of years, and it's come from Drizzly. They have a BevAlk Insights blog, Shree, and they regularly put out a lot of research on what people are consuming. And they don't charge for it, and everybody can benefit from it. They do it as a service primarily for their retailers that use their marketplace. But, I mean, anybody in the industry can access it, and it's really powerful information. So that's good stuff. Tracy, thanks again. Shri, as always, love being on this journey with you. And to our audience, thank you, thank you, thank you. We look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of The CPG Guys. Goodbye. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. 
The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPT Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPT Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.